Arizona Sports. Dark. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for Maximum for Maximum. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios today. Max Starks is joining us for Maximum Football. And we're getting to the trade deadline here. It was, um, I couldn't, I couldn't help but get distracted during the break, Wolf. They flashed up on one of the screens. And again, who knows who's telling the truth. But uh, the Rams claim they had multiple offers for Cam Akers. Okay. If that's the case, why didn't you trade Cam Akers? Because you clearly don't like him. You've basically told him you're not going to play him. Yeah, because the offers were a seventh round pick. Uh, does that, that's got to be what it was, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, maybe they just did not get what they wanted. Like a Groupon? Like, here, we'll get you a nice uh, trip to Disneyland or something? Okay, now you're just being disrespectful. Well, I I don't know. Otherwise, why wouldn't you trade them? I I don't know what to say on that. Right, of of course. You got offers. Yeah, you got all sorts of offers. They're all seventh-round picks. I guess. Uh, Max, what do you think, when you look at the trade deadline yesterday, what stands out to you? Is it teams that didn't make moves? Like, you know, Dallas didn't make moves either. That That's probably more, it is more of a Super Bowl contender than the Cardinals. And they didn't make moves either. You had Miami go all in for Chubb. You had a lot of big names moving, too. Well, yeah, I, I think that was that was it. Um, you know, just a little tidbit for you guys. Um, four firm, former first-round picks got moved yesterday, um, which that's the most um, in the last 30 years um, doing the trade deadline. So that was a big move. I think, you know, two, two of them were really, really striking, and then there's two that were kind of like, okay, I could see that. Um trades that happen. First one, I'll say you're right. Miami going all in and they went in, grabbed Bradley Chubb, but they also traded for Jeff Wilson Jr. from mm-hmm. San Francisco as well. Obviously, CMC coming to coming to Frisco um, made Jeff Wilson more of a luxury than a necessity, which allowed him to be available. But now you put another San Francisco 49er running back in that backfield to go along with Raheem Mostert for Mike McDaniels um, to add some more firepower. And Chase Edmonds gets moved to the Broncos um, in the, in that swing. So I just thought the Dolphins highly active um, on that trade deadline, and I have to think that they're eyeing Buffalo. That's really what they're when they made these trades. It was to combat and to go up and get ready to contend with Buffalo in December because you already have the one game advantage on them, and that's the only way you can keep yourself in this uh, division race is to bolster. And you're looking at that opponent. Um, another one that was uh, really surprising. But a big winner for Minnesota, who obviously Carlos just played. Um, them trading t- for TJ Hawkinson yeah. in the division from Detroit. That was a head scratcher. And getting picks back in the deal. Yeah. And, 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 you, and you were able to swap some stuff around. It was just... So I felt like, you know, really that one, Detroit either got fleeced on that one. And maybe that's payback from draft day when they made the switch um, and draft picks of 20 picks so that so that Detroit could go and get uh, Jameson Williams. I don't know. It was like, hey, I'm, there's going to be this trade later in the year. You just got to let it happen. <laughs> I don't know how that that's the only way I could see this happening. Like, I did a favor for you this the day of my daughter's wedding, you know, type of deal, Godfather style. But. 
but that that was another one that that was like wow okay that was a big move because I felt like Minnesota got a lot better with that acquisition and they're already just a one loss team and they know that the NFC is is one that's more wide open so what if you can bolster your offense then you're gonna, that's going to free up Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen for them, uh, having T.J. Hawkinson in the middle of the field because he wasn't really utilized properly in Detroit. Um, now, the Ant ones, I was like, the once again, a Chicago trade, Chicago and Baltimore for, for Roquan Smith. That one, because... <laughs> It, you know, like that one. It, I, it, I, makes I gotta, it, it makes sense yeah. for the Ravens, man. I mean, honestly. Well, they, absolutely. But after this year, that's my concern. Well, like, they're gonna. They're obviously gonna sign him. They're obviously. But you still got. But that. you still got to sign Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And, they never got Ro- that and, done, did they? Yeah. And Roquan. Guess who? Guess who represents Roquan Smith? Okay. Who? Roquan Smith. So now you're dealing with another <laughs> player agent. Roquan right. Smith's going to do the best for Roquan Smith because it's for Roquan Smith. They should have Roquan Smith represent Lamar Jackson and have Lamar represent Roquan. Oh, yeah, there we go. I honestly, that, that with, with the Baltimore Ravens and their history, of course, at the Mike linebacker, inside linebacker, Roquan Smith, to me, that was a, a no-brainer. They obviously value that position, John Harbaugh. There, there's no way in the world they're going to trade for Roquan Smith and then not extend him. At some point in time, that's going to be coming. I know that Lamar Jackson as well has got to be extended, and I expect that to happen. I I love that. I don't know what happened in Chicago, but it had to have some type of personal development that happened where Roquan Smith was not going to play for the Chicago Bears for me, because they have a great history of some inside linebackers as well. Some great Mike yeah. linebackers. I, I didn't. I don't understand how you get better as a football team by trading Roquan Smith, especially for what you got back for him. Well, it's, it's simple. They didn't want to pay twenty million dollars a year, which is what Roquan's looking for. I mean, at certain yeah. point, you have to yeah. pay yeah. to win. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay to win. But they didn't want to pay twenty million for the middle backer position. When you think of that position, not necessarily as depressed as like the safety market or the running back market, but it's it's not far behind those. And I think that was something we're like we can't dedicate that much to one position, especially one position as the middle linebacker position, they would rather spend that on what? An edge rusher, a corner, a receiver, a tackle or something? And I'm saying a tackle. Both tackles <laughs> combined. Um, but but I think that's kind of the, the mindset. If you're, if you're revamping this defense, because you are... Remember, you traded away Khalil Mack uh, this offseason. Yeah. You just traded away Robert Quinn, and now you've traded away Roquan Smith. But yet you got Chase Claypool, so you don't like the defense, but I'm, I, that has to be a signal that you're, you're sold on Justin Fields as your franchise quarterback. But there's a lot of work to do if you're Chicago. And yeah, Baltimore got better for this season, but I'm just worried about what that looks like long term when both of these guys are up, because obviously you're going to use a franchise tag on one of them, which is it going to be? Which deal are you going to have to swallow first and potentially piss off the other guy? because they wanted their long-term deal. That's my only concern with it as far as the logistics of the timing of having to do those contracts. Um, The other one that was funny and intriguing, Buffalo and the Colts. They did running back swaps. 
Yeah, you send Zach Moss from Buffalo down to Indianapolis, and then you send Naeem Hines to Buffalo from Indianapolis. Frank Reich's fired his offensive coordinator. He is now his own offensive coordinator. Uh, Sam Ellinger is now the starting quarterback. So looking to bolster, I get why the Colts did it. Naeem Hines doesn't necessarily fit into what they're kind of doing there, and he doesn't fit what Jonathan Taylor's style of running is. So it's a little bit different, but yet not the same. And Zach Moss, I think, runs more like Jonathan Taylor. Like he's a between-the-tackles type of runner, and so I think they bolster that. And Naeem Hines gives you more flexibility in the passing game. He's a bigger body, especially when you're talking about goal line situations versus Devin Singletary and even James Cook. So I get why it made sense, but that was just funny to see them do a running back for running back swap. It's, it's funny to hear you say Naeem Hines doesn't fit into what the Colts are trying to do there because as I watch the Colts, Max, I'm not sure what the Colts are trying to do there. And I do know Naeem Hines, his life just got a whole lot better yesterday because he gets to go contend oh. for a Super Bowl. Alright, when we come back, what's the challenge of facing the same team in the span of three weeks? We're going to ask Max Starks. Maximum Football continues next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Max Starks. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Wednesday morning. Max Starks joining us right now for Maximum Football. So, Max, I'm going to start with you on this one. I'm sure. I know you're a big fan of the Ravens. I know you're a big fan of the Browns. I know you're a big fan of the Bengals, the three teams that you uh, played the most in your division. Love them. Um, How strange is it? And I'm sure it happens. Obviously, we've seen it happen with other teams this this, uh, season around the NFL. But how strange is it when you play a team and then three weeks later you're playing them again, as is the case with the Cardinals and the Seahawks this weekend? (laughs) You know, it, it, it's happened. It's happened a number of times in my career. I mean, you know, we I've done that multiple times with Baltimore um, and with Cincy, and it's one of the. And actually, you know, it's funny. We actually did it one year where we played San Diego. Um, at the end of the season, and then we saw them two weeks later in the playoffs. Like it was, it was pretty crazy because we played them like week sixteen, and then of course we had week seventeen, and then we played them in, in, in the first round of the playoffs. So, so it, it's weird, but it's it's more commonplace than uncommon, um, especially when you get towards the end of the year because everybody wants to backload now the the division races, so it makes them more interesting at the end of the year, um, but. It's uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to to see a team once and feel like you got the better of them, and then come back because you know there are no real trade secrets. There's no real growth. It's not like you saw the team week two and they're a different team come week twelve. You know, it, it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot tougher because they know you as fresh off of the memories, and sometimes you carry the baggage from the previous game into the contest <laughs> yes. uh, more often than not, and so it, you know, but. It's one of those things, you'll get it out the way. If you're the winning team, you definitely want to come back sooner than later. But if you're the losing team, you know, you haven't had enough time to let it process what happened to you. You're moving on to the next game, and then you have to see the same opponent again. 
the studying's easier, but the personnel's still the same. And if there's a dread on there, you don't want to see that, you know, come three weeks from now. You know, I always thought that um, the football player that was a thinker had the advantage in situations like this. A guy that thought an awful lot, um, and, as opposed to just going out and reacting, just going out and playing naturally. I always thought the guy that um, thought about what he did had the advantage in situations where you're going to play a team for the second time in three weeks because you could almost use what the other guy, what you thought you you were successful with against the other guy, you could use it against him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Have, have you ever done uh-huh. that, Max? <laughs> have you ever done that where, you know, you, you took a certain set on a guy and, you know, maybe maybe you punched him um, with your right hand. Maybe maybe it was with your left, whatever it may be. I, I guess what I'm saying is, have you ever done anything where you actually use what you did against him the first time against him the basically, second time? Basically, like, you think, I think, you think, I think. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. It's called the fleece game, right? <laughs> you know, you're trying to fleece the guy, you know, and, and, and yeah, I definitely use that. And it's something that even when I self-scout myself, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not doing things in a pattern that they can pick up on. Yes. But like you said, if I look at my tendency from that game, if if I've been more, I was, you know, I was, I was shocking with the left hand, you know, putting the left hand out of left tackle. More maybe maybe I run a shadow punch. Maybe I throw it out there and bring it back immediately, and then counter with the right. Or maybe I go with the two with, with a two hand jam this time. Right. I'm saying, you know what? It's a short set. Boom! I'm gonna come out and get him. Or if I am a short setter, now I set more on the 45. Or if I'm a guy who who likes who likes to play it and, and kind of kick kick. Uh, drift, maybe I change it up. Kick, drift, dr- uh, kick. You know, you change up some of the things, your stances, your tendencies, even in a three point. Like, what does my three point stance look like when I'm passing versus running? Maybe I sell him on yeah. it's a pass, but I know it's outside zone. But if he gets up the field, I could take him out of the play and shorten the edge for the running back. Maybe I could change that up. Like, you start thinking of these little things, little nuances, because that's what matters the second time around is not being predictable. Right. And, and that could also apply for offensive and defensive coordinators as well. Don't be predictable. Right. <laughs> no, you know what's so funny about that, too? Uh, as a former wedge buster, you'll appreciate this, okay? And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about me being the wedge buster. Yeah. If you had two guys standing next to each other, you'd run down the field and you'd stare at the guy on the left, Max. You'd stare at the guy on the left all the way down the field and then hit the guy on the right. That's how you bust up. <laughs> That's how you get two guys, right? You get two guys oh, that yeah. way. Stare at the guy on the left, hit the guy on the right. Well, the next time you play him, stare at the guy on the right, hit the guy on the left. You understand? It's really yeah, we that need to have like lessons it's from a that, wedge buster music. It is that simple, right there, baby. Max, uh, yeah. When I look at this game, as much as things are similar because they just played, there are some differences, and and so I mean, the Cardinals didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and they didn't have Matt Prater, and Matt Prater was extremely uh, noticeable that they didn't have him but something you just said right there you can't be predictable at times the Cardinals have looked very predictable in what they're going to do so when you see a rematch three weeks later what in your mind is a bigger deal the fact that the Cardinals are getting Hopkins and Prater back that they didn't have three weeks ago or or you know Seattle's familiarity with what the Cardinals try to do on offense and the other thing Cardinals offense has given up points the last two weeks they weren't doing that three weeks ago 
Yeah, I mean, that's where I think we have to kind of look at it. It's going to be awesome to have DeAndre back. I think that that's just something that you're going to really get to test the corners for Seattle. Uh, Prater, obviously get, get, getting the thunder leg back is always good because um, you can at least get into a position where you can put points on the board, where I think points will be a premium in this contest. And then I think the other thing is you, you've got to – like we talked about this at the beginning. You've got to establish a run. Like mm-hmm. that, you can't get into this shootout match, and you're worried. Oh, G- how could Geno Smith? Be? He is the guy. He he is one of the top quarterbacks right now in this league. We have to accept that, and not think that just because he doesn't look like Russell Wilson and he doesn't look like any other you know guys that that you thought was going to be a starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, he is the guy. Pete, Pete Carroll, for whatever reason, I don't know how he figured this out. He should go play the lottery. Um, he figured that th- that he was good with Gino, and Gino has delivered on that. But Gino, and this is where th- now this is a funny thing as as we go into this. Isn't it funny that Russell Wilson is struggling in, in Denver right now? That is funny. And, <laughs> and Russell Wilson, I have to laugh. Yeah, and Russell Wilson was like, I, I'm, I'm more, I, I, I meant more to Seattle, blah, blah, blah. But here's a classic example. Now, we saw with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, that was not true. Tom Brady was actually a really good quarterback, and it wasn't just a system. But I, just maybe, just maybe, Pete Carroll's system is what saved Russell Wilson and made him look better than he was. Mm. Because Geno Smith, when you put the numbers right side by side, they're literally the same. And now I'm like, Pete Carroll's system seems to be what's making the quarterback play there that much better because Geno is literally playing like Russell Wilson and he's doing it in a different type of way. And he's he, he's good. A former first rounder came from West Virginia through a million balls. Wolf, you know, your fellow alum. That's there. my God, Virginia. There we go. And I think that's what's that's what's so scary about it is they are just it's boring football. It's not exciting football except for that Detroit game. But they just they get the job done. So if you're the Cardinals, points are a premium in this game. You've got to be able to put them up. And I think having having Prater back is going to give you that extra edge. But you've got to run the football. You've got to establish a run in this game because that's what they're going to be trying to do. Yeah. No, you can make a case if they had Prater the last time they played, we'd still be tied at 19 uh, in that game with the, the field goals they passed up and the extra point that was missed. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right. Max covers a lot of college football when we come back we'll get into the first college football playoff rankings of the season maximum football continues on the wolf and luke show on arizona sports the local sports leader arizona sports the local sports leader he played tackle in the nfl for more than a decade max starks max starks Maximum Maximum brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome, from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Yeah, we only got one more segment here with Max Starks, so we figured we'd make the most of it with some college football. The first college football playoff rankings of the year are out. 
Max, I will just start at the very top as somebody who um, I'm pretty sure ASU is not going to make the playoffs this year. So as somebody that's an impartial observer, it's just refreshing to see somebody new at the very top. Tennessee comes in at number one, Ohio State, then Georgia, then Clemson are the other uh, top four teams. What do you think of Tennessee? Uh, They absolutely deserve it. Um, Are they going to stay there? I think well, we'll see after this weekend. I mean that that's really the the test. If they, if they if they get through this weekend unscathed, then yeah, they keep the number one all the way through the playoffs um, because you will have you will have toppled two former number one uh, ranked teams, and to do that is just tremendous. And you've also you have five, you would have five AP top twenty five victories at that point. Um, against top 25 opponents, which by far and away is the most when you look at everybody else in the field. Uh, I think that's the most pertinent thing because Ohio State, who's number two, they've only played two top 25 teams and beaten them. The first one was Notre Dame. And let's see, last I checked, Notre <laughs> Dame is no longer in the top 25. Keep scrolling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Penn State being the other one who Penn State has now been thrashed by both Michigan and Ohio State. Um, so I think that was an easy choice between one and two. People are arguing, oh, man, why, why should Ohio State not be up? I'm like, no. No, they shouldn't. And if you watch that game uh, last weekend against Penn State, it was Penn State was leading that game twenty mm-hmm. to sixteen going into the fourth quarter, and for some magical reason, Ohio State just scores forty eight uh, scores twenty eight points and four touch or four touchdowns in the span of like six minutes and twenty five yes. seconds. So the fact they didn't show control and then, yes, they were able to eventually overcome it, that's why they're at the number two spot. Georgia has not had great competition. They haven't looked great in some games that were supposed to be easy, gimme wins. And, you know, I think it's coming down to this. I mean, yes, you were number one last year, and yes, you were the top team, and you look good playing Florida, but... You know, you haven't done enough on the resume to earn the number one spot so far this year. Now, you go out and you beat Tennessee, that's a different story. But since you haven't seen that competition, you haven't played top 25 games like that, that's where it rounds out. And then Clemson, Clemson over Michigan. I know a lot of people are up in arms about Michigan not being in the top four. It comes down to this. Michigan has played one top 25 team, and that, of course, being Penn State. Again, you know, the local Big Ten, like, you know, homeboy that just comes around and you beat him up. He's like like the heel in a a wrestling um, (laughs) wrestling show. Um, But they, they literally, they had, at the beginning of the year, they had Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. So their schedule left, and yes, they did what they what they were supposed to do. They've won every game, but at the same time, Clemson has taken on two top twenty-five teams, beaten them. Actually, I'm sorry, three. I apologize, three top twenty-five teams, and beaten them. So as long as they stay unbeaten, they should have the head-to-head because you're going to have a rubber match at the end of the year to decide if Ohio State or Michigan gets into the playoff. I just, if Clemson stays undefeated, I think that's one where they lock in at least the four seed. And the other two will cancel. The other two pairs will cancel themselves out because Georgia will play Tennessee and Clemson will play. I'm sorry, and Michigan will play Ohio State. This is like a beautiful mind. Yeah, 
talk to me about this right here, though. Tennessee, do they have what it takes to knock off Georgia, man? Do they have what it takes? Because they got offense. That much I know, man. I, love, I their offense. I will give you, it is as high powered as it Put gets. Forty four on Kentucky, exactly and I enjoyed every right, point. Man, but um, you know what? Defensively, are they good enough to actually take Georgia out? Well, I think that that's what we're going to see. I think they've been working towards that. And you saw that against Kentucky, a team they knew that was going to come out and try and establish a run. They stopped the run. Well, guess what Georgia wants to do? They mm-hmm. want to establish a run as well. And if you can lock down McConkey and Bowers, you can depress this offense uh, significantly. And I think that's what you have to try and do because offensively, it's a track meet on offense. And I think right now, nobody has figured out how to score with them consistently outside of Alabama. And that's where the test is going to be for Georgia because I haven't seen Georgia really put up those numbers in a head-to-head matchup uh, this season. And, you know, yes, they put up 55 against Vanderbilt. (laughs) And, of course, the 42 against Florida, which was aided by some interceptions and everything. But you you look at the Tennessee team, they're they're scoring 44 or better every single week. And Georgia Georgia went 39-22 against Kent State. 26 to 22 against Mizzou. Like, I think those though, games are Max, like, yeah. do you not think Georgia is the best, um, the, the most well rounded college football team in the country? I think, uh, on the basis of offense and defense, they're. I would say probably number two. I think TCU's the best balanced one Whoa. of all of them. Yeah, why is TCU Whoa. so far down this list? You, you know, I think it's because A, it's the Big 12, and, you know, viewership does come into that because there's no way I'm ranking TCU behind Alabama. Like, it's just not happening. Uh, a one-loss team versus an undefeated team who has literally whipped, you know, top 25 opponents, like, in consecutive weeks. Then when I mean consecutive, for a month, a calendar month straight. Yeah. <laughs> they have just gone out and just absolutely won and decimated teams. The entire month that- of October, TCU was beating top 20 teams. Yeah. So that's one that was a head-scratcher for me. I felt like they're better uh, than Alabama right now. Hell, I'd put them in front of Michigan right now. Well, here, Um, let me ask you the big question, Max, before we hit the break, because we all know how this plays out. No matter what, Alabama will be in the Final Four because they can't hold a playoff without Alabama in it, apparently. So of these four teams that are in there right now, who's dropping out so they can mysteriously sneak Alabama in? Ooh, you're gonna have me go to the dark place on this one. <laughs> no, but uh, Georgia, really? Okay, wow. I thought you were gonna say Clemson. But Georgia, right. now, what Clemson? I I look at Clemson's schedule. Here's the thing, Luke. Like I look at Clemson's schedule, and I'm like, where they should have faltered would have been already. And the rest of your season is this: Notre Dame at Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, South Carolina. Who's going to pull the upset out of that crew? No, that's fair. Yeah, you're right. And Georgia's going to either Georgia or Tennessee is going to have a loss here, obviously yeah. soon. <laughs> so yeah, you're probably right. I yeah, for me it's just Georgia. I think Georgia is the most well-rounded, uh, fundamental team on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that you can get. Uh, I again, I'd like to see that. I don't think they're going to lose. That's just me. Uh, Max, great right. stuff as always, man. I know you have a busy week, although this is your bye week, so it's also your vacation. Think of. 
it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what I do on my vacation. I want a, I want a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, All right fellas. Y'all take care. <laughs> That's uh, Max Starks checking in for Maximum Football as he does every Wednesday. Wolf, when we come back, we're going to basketball. And we got to talk Cam Johnson. Is he turning a corner? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, I tell you, if you want to get fired up about something as a sports fan in the Valley, look no further than the Phoenix Suns last night and look at Cam Johnson in particular, number 23 out there, putting 29 on Minnesota in a game, Wolf, where Devin Booker... He didn't have a bad night. 18.7 rebounds, 5 assists. I mean, he's still Devin Booker. But, like, Anthony Edwards did a pretty good job on Devin Booker. About as good Fantastic. As, yeah. About as good of a job as you're going to do in 2022. And the Suns still won by 9. That's the scary thing about this team. Yeah, and once again, too, uh, they can beat you in different ways. And there will be guys that will step up at the end of games and play well and hit some big shots. And guess what? This is a plan that the Phoenix Suns had coming into this season, and we've seen it three different times. Chris Paul sat down in a win. DeAndre Ayton sat down at the end of the game in a win. And guess what? Devin Booker pretty much sat down at the end of a game in a win last night. Now he came back on with uh, 24 seconds, I believe, came back onto the floor with 24 seconds, but the game was in hand at that point in time. At least I felt like the game was in hand. Now he had five fouls. I understand that. DeAndre Ayton, of course, sat down when he had five fouls and Jock Landell was out there finishing all three of those games. Their three best players. They've sat them down so far. How many games have they played? Seven games. Seven games so far. And they sat down their three best players in three of their six wins. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they also that. won all three of those games. That's the other part of the equation. It's not like, yeah, you know, they had to sit DA because he had the five fouls, and that was the night they lost by eight. Now, they haven't lost by eight to anybody. They've only lost one game. It was by two to Portland when Damian Lillard went off, which is really every game, and uh, when DA missed that free throw at the end. And then even that one, and we're in overtime. Remember, he had to miss the second one, and he missed it perfectly. Landale, he just couldn't put it back. And incidentally, the Suns will play Portland on Friday and Saturday for their last two meetings with the Blazers. Just done with Portland after the first nine games of the year. Cam Johnson, though, in particular last night, if he's going to turn into this player, if he's going to be putting up, if he's going to have a 29-point performance in him, if he's going to hit seven of 11 threes, and Wolf, he's hit 14 of 28 threes, shooting 50% from three-point range over the last three games. He, If he's going to take that step You know, we talk so much about internal improvement. How much more can Booker improve? And each year he does. How much more can Aiton improve? And Aiton does improve from year to year, but he doesn't, he hasn't taken like the huge jump. Now, to be fair, he's always been ahead of Cam Johnson. But Cam Johnson, if he's going to play anywhere near what he did last night, he's going to take a huge jump this season. Yeah, man, I love talking about Cam Johnson. I love talking about him because um, context matters, my brothers. It really does. Context. I, I love the mental side of sports. I, I love what it does to the soul. I-, I love what it does to the brain and what it is you're trying to 
to accomplish and what it is you're trying to get done. And I think of a Cam Johnson right now in the context of Cam Johnson. Would you say this past offseason, things have changed for Cam Johnson? All, all around Cam Johnson. <laughs> all around like him. He he wasn't so Luke. Well, it's not like he initiated any of this. He didn't get his extension. It's not so. I mean, everything else. It was okay. We're making him a starter. Sure. Okay. okay. Get Crowder's but out. That's of here. different, right? We're making him a starter. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. What else is different? Well, Jay Crowder's gone. Jay Crowder. Jay, thanks for coming, Jay. Which, um, no, you know what? Now that's a big deal. It is a big deal because everybody looks and says, "Okay, well, yeah, but it worked out better for Cam. He's the starter." Yeah. But there's also more pressure on Cam there's because more if he pressure falters, on him. there's no safety nets. That's exactly right. Would you say that he had a great start to the season? No, the first I would couple not. Of games? I would no, not say that. No, it was all Devin no Booker. he didn't. Would you say that increased the pressure of Cam Johnson as well? He yes. he had some interesting quotes on this last night. Have you already heard them? No, I okay. have not. Well, he um, I'm going to skip over the big night shooting for a second. He talked about the coaching staff being supportive of him to keep shooting even when he's struggling and how that's not necessarily common. Go back to high school and stuff. I've had coaches stop shooting, stop doing this, and I, I, I'll tell you right now, I kept shooting, but eventually kind of said, all right, all right, but, you know, and it's something that you earn, in college especially. Um, you know, we had, with, with Coach Roy Williams, we had a lot of rules about, you know, like almost situations where we, you like, you don't shoot the ball in situation, but you know, you make enough shots. He's like, go ahead, shoot it every time you're in that. You know, first pass on the court, first pass off an inbounds, go ahead, launch it up. So that kind of comes with with playing and, and proving that you can make shots, but it's not something I take for granted at all. Imagine being the coach that told Cam Johnson not to shoot early in his career. <laughs> Man, I love that right there, honestly. But how could you, Cam? Are you kidding me? Stop it. That's Devin Bucker right there. Oh, that's Chris Paul, Cam. What, you're just going to grab the ball? You're going to take over? You're going to shoot the shot? That's what it... That, do you get my point? Well, yeah. <laughs> it is, like, even that. Because... That's a big deal. He also said it's not just the coaches, it's the team. You talk about those teammates, and we talked about this last week with, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're Jock Landale and Chris Paul's passing you the ball, there's responsibility that comes with that pass, yes. right? So, for Cam Johnson, he's getting encouragement not just from Monty Williams, but from teammates. After I missed those first three shots, they're like, what are you... Like, I came off a handoff and didn't shoot it. They're like, what are you doing? Like, they looked at me like I was stupid. I was like, all right, guys. Like, I get the memo but I tell you guys all the time it's really helpful as a shooter when you have coaches and people that encourage you to take the next shot even if you're 0 for 10 you know what I mean uh, you know, I've had the opposite in my career where where coaches have you know stop shooting what are you doing you know you got that in the back of your head but when you got everybody's confidence behind you um, it, it, every shooter knows it, it, it helps a lot um, so you know just continuing to do what I do and you know we work on it Chris Paul just said in the locker room I heard him he said no matter how many shots you miss we work on them enough to continue to shoot the next ones. It's not like it's our first time shooting a basketball in any situation. Uh, so just kind of going with that mindset and, and just playing the game and forgetting about the past. I feel like Chris Paul is like, not, not player coach, but he's like kind of kind of both things right now. Man, you know, uh, confidence is the currency of competition. Have you heard that before, Basinonians? Yeah, confidence. That's what's happening to Camp Johnson. The confidence, you can see it. It's starting to ooze over the last three games in particular. Cam Johnson was on fire last night. Did you see Cam Johnson? He got off to a bad start. Guess what? That makes it even more Shoot out of it. incredible.
<laughs> there are people right now laughing because they understand the music. Or they're this. just pulling over and getting out of their car. Look, the context has changed for Cam Johnson. His paradigm is new. He's in the middle of a nice little run here. A three-game set that makes a man shed his skin, Basinonians, and become something a little different. What are you becoming, Camp Johnson? You know, let me just say this, Luke. I hope you just keep the robe on, Cam, right now. Okay, we'd appreciate that. I'm just happy that. I don't even get any of these references. Listen, now I can, can never watch this movie. You can keep your hands in the air, but please step away from the mirror, Cam, if you don't mind. <laughs> and could you also change the music to something a little more appropriate, Cam? Something more uplifting and less uh, 80s um, It's just so... Cam, what are you doing, by the way? What are you becoming? Are you shedding your skin? Are you becoming something different? Because that confidence that you're talking about right now, you can see it as you're walking around, especially over the last three games. The confidence, you're dripping confidence right now. Shedding that skin. You are the starter, Cam Johnson. And oh, by the way, that is Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And they're looking at you like, why aren't you shooting, dude? What do you say? Uh, yeah, I got the memo. When they're all like, hey, shoot. What a beautiful thing this is. I love seeing it. I think Cam Johnson is taking another step towards becoming the player that he will be at some point in time. He's not there. He's still getting better. And the confidence that he's gaining right now is the currency of competition. But the talking back and forth with Carl Anthony Towns all night. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns should stop talking to the Suns because it didn't work last year either, remember? Yeah. And it, it makes for highly entertaining basketball, and I don't want him to stop because yeah. the Suns... But he seems to bring something out in a different Phoenix Suns player every time the Suns play the Timberwolves. Yeah, I know. You know, at some point in time, you've got to ha- you've got to be aware as a professional athlete. You do. Individually and collectively, you've got to be aware as a team. You've got to be aware as a player that is out there competing. Should I stick this guy in the eye? Should I stick it in his eye? Should I do that? Should I jab him in the ribs? You've got to know who to jab in the ribs, who to stick in the eye, and who not to. Well, PSA for the rest of the league, and I, and I get maybe Carl Anthony Towns saying it or whoever targeting Cam Johnson because he hasn't proven it at, at the at the starter level in the sure. NBA. He hasn't. So, yeah, go ahead and see what this guy can do. But the PSA for the rest of the league is you probably don't need to keep jabbing Devin Booker because I, I can tell not. you how it's going to turn out. Exactly right. That is something you've got to learn. And when I say st- you know jab you in the ribs and stick you in the eye, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, brother. Coming up next, do you think you had to clear that up? I, I, yeah, okay. honestly. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with the Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Haters will hate.